This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street, next to Ben Davis High School, for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help you with your home, life, auto, or business needs. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. This is Luke Stevenson for the Central Indiana Innovation Hub. Central Indiana Innovation Hub provides space for individuals to meet and network for business-related needs. Central Indiana Innovation Hub is located at 5250 East U.S. Highway 36, Suite 1101 in Avon. More information can be found at indianahub.com. Our phone number is 317-696-3050. Office hours are Monday through Friday, 830 to 4, Tours of the facility are available. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. Welcome in to another edition of Central Indiana Today here on 98.9 WYRZ. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us on the program today. You know, we're in the middle of the World Series. Game two is tonight. And, of course, the Chicago Cubs, they are one of the teams. They have broke the curse and have finally made it to the World Series for the first time after 71 years with us today. You know, I'm a huge Chicago Cubs fan. And uh, as a broadcaster, I'm well, I'm poor. I, I can't afford 
the, you know, the big tickets to go to the big games, but somebody, somebody who's done very well in life and was able to go to game six of the NLCS, the game, the clinching game where the Cubs broke the curse, is going to be with us today to talk about what that atmosphere was like as millions of people all over the world rejoiced in, uh, in the Chicago Cubs victory and uh, generations of people, I think like uh, ghosts and demons all over the stratosphere were unleashed. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's a friend of the show. His name is Drew Thompson. He's also a candidate for Indiana's uh, 7th Congressional District, which is Marion County. Drew, how are you? Well, if given where we're at in the World Series, I couldn't be a whole lot better and uh, hoping to feel the same way after Election Day. <laughs> okay, so we'll get to the... Um, We'll get to your campaign here in just a little bit, too, because I'm curious to get some thoughts on that. But uh, I want to start with this. You were at Game 6. I was there. You were there. I was there. It was a lifetime dream to see that. Because so, you're, you're a huge Cubs fan. Oh, my gosh. I mean, 1969, I was following the Cubs day on the on the radio and WGN. Grew up in Terre Haute, Indiana. Listened to the rise and fall of the Cubs that year. And, if I mean, if few of us left that are old enough to remember that anymore – know what that season was like it was just crazy i mean it was a complete roller coaster um went from the very top of the galaxy to the pit of despair by the end of the season after a black cat walked walked in front of the dugout so you know every year since then i've i've had that feeling well, we were there. We should have been there. We could have been there. And they, they grabbed hold of my heart and wouldn't let go. And every year it's wait till next year. Well, this is the year. Yeah. And finally. All right. So how did you get tickets to the game? I mean, that was the game. Everybody knew. It was like, we're going to do it. Tonight's the night. That was the most one of the most sought, af- sought after tickets in the history of sports at the time. Now the World Series <laughs> now tickets. The World Series <laughs> yeah. Now tickets. it seems like small potatoes. But yeah, how did you get a ticket? Well, first of all, I've set aside a little bit of money year by year for 47 years just for this. A little bit of money. I mean, I'm not talking about a few dollars a year. Okay, So um, I spent my, you know, the tickets were pretty extreme, but they weren't as outrageous by any means as World Series tickets. Which, by the way, I have a rooftop ticket for Saturday night. Oh, you so. got to be kidding us! <laughs> no, I'm not. You kidding. will be on the rooftop. I'll what? be on the rooftop. Oh, that's amazing. Saturday. Yeah. So, um, so as far as the tickets, I just watched the prices. Uh, got there early, walked around the stadium, met some people, and I was very, very fortunate. So you out. did not do the tradi- oh, now you did the traditional method. You did not do the what has become the traditional method of you're going to purchase them off an internet site. You uh, you actually did the old school, I'm going to go to the stadium and I'm going to haggle with uh, with someone who has a ticket. Well, I moved in ch- to Chicago in 1985 after I graduated from IU. And uh, I got used to doing that. So, um, I mean, the Internet's great because you can evaluate what prices are. And then you, and you've got the various corners of, of Wrigley Field, and you, you just know the right people to talk to, the right corner to go to. So you, you, did you get down there early, like very early in the day to start this process? Well, I had an event in Covington, actually, not a campaign event, but uh, spent some time on a friend's farm and uh drove up from there so i couldn't get there too early i got outside of wrigley field about and the biggest thing getting to clark and addison yeah. at at uh 
at six o'clock central time at the seven o'clock game was just the massive crowds. I mean, I've never, you know, you could get really close to a ticket broker really fast, but moving between people was, was difficult. So, yeah, because I was going to ask you, I mean, it normally it is very hard to park at a Cubs game. That's always one of the great laments of Cubs baseball. There's really nowhere to park because it's in a neighborhood. I can't even imagine what it's like to park at. Like, where did you park at? So I stayed in the 4,800 block of Kenmore. So that's about 12 blocks north of the stadium. And my host at Airbnb had a parking spot (laughs) included. I mean, you know, you practically could pay for a parking spot. What I stayed in this beautiful home overnight, just a couple miles, less than two miles from the stadium. Right. So, So, okay. I mean, it worked out. Beautifully. So it was you, meant to be. Did you go down there again? I guess it's Drew Thompson. He is a he is a candidate for Congress this year. But we're talking about his trip to Game Six of the National League Championship Series, where the Cubs uh, clinched to go to the World Series. So you went down there with or up there with the intent that I'm going to get a ticket. Right? It was your yeah. goal was to score a ticket. Oh, I I was determined. Okay. It was, was going to happen. No, you got you got to carry like a large amount of cash on you at that time. In Chicago, well, actually, not a safe place. actually, the brokers now. Uh, take cards. Oh, really? So, yeah. Now I did have some cash on me, but uh, I I was able to use a card. So and- it is. It is. Uh, and and you're like brokers, you're not talking about just guys walking up to you on the street. You're talking about these are like people that have the. Uh, that's their how they earn their living. You know, I don't think that uh, there were your typical scalpers. Nobody holding up. To, I mean, they would have been mobbed as soon as they offered. So everybody that was doing it was, I mean, they had, they had the seating chart sure. behind their heads and so that was, uh, they, a group that was, of guys. They were like signaling to people. It was like a checkout line at Walmart. Okay, or that was what I was going to ask you was because you made a good point. If you have two tickets to the game, you're going to be shot on the street, especially in Chicago. Uh, hold up your hand and see what happens. Yeah. So they were actually sort of like, hey, hey, buddy, you want some tickets? Come over here. I mean, was they were how were they doing it? Were they being pretty uh, open about it? Or? Oh, oh, yeah. There, there are a lot of regulations, but you can uh, sell, buy, and sell tickets on the on the street in Chicago. The cops are right there. Everybody knows exactly what's going on. So it's you know it's okay. part part of the system. It's, so this is this is fascinating to me because I always do the traditional. I try to buy the tickets um, at the at the the time they go on sale. You know whether it's a concert or a Cubs game. I've never done something uh, like this. Um, well, I, well, I did that for the rooftop actually, and. <laughs> Quite inflated prices. Yeah, I was going to say you. But about but about a uh, a third of what it would take to get into the bleachers, I think. So. Oh wow, that's yeah, uh, yeah. okay. So you 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 get down there six o'clock. Now you're pushing it at this point because right. the game's at seven, and you want to be in there. You want to be a part of the atmosphere. How long does it take you to get a ticket? I think it was about. 20 till 7. Okay, so you were yeah, I was, I was in my seat at, at quarter till. So I was in section 229, row 14, seat 7. <laughs> not that you're Maybe, keeping track now. Not that I'm keeping track. Now, where and, is that, for those uh, who are saying, where is that in Wrigley Field? Okay, so you're right up from first base. Uh, you're under the rooftop, so you're not in the closest section to the field, but you're in the next closest. You're not upper deck. Terrace reserved. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Pretty that's good a, that's seats. a good day game seat because you're you're protected from the sun. If you want to be protected from the sun, it's a very good day yeah. game seat. You know, Wrigley Field's an old stadium, so you've got some obstructions. But the the uh, the immediate pillar to our left was a good bit behind home plate, and the next pillar to the right was far right. enough off that there was absolutely no obstruction. Okay, so at a get guess is Drew Thompson. He's taking us through his magical trip to uh, to Game Six of the NLCS and. Um, 
Okay, so uh, normally the way that works with game day is the closer you get to game, the ticket prices are going to go down a little bit because the scalpers are like, "Hey, I got to get rid of these seats. I got to, you know." Not, not a penny. No, no, not not even moving. Uh, now maybe after the game started, but I, I think, I think they had a real. Well, I don't know how I, I was in. I was going to be in my seat when they yeah. threw, threw the first pitch. I watched Kerry Wood throw out the first ball. That was yeah. cool. Part best of the- best rendition of the national anthem I have ever heard. And by the way, you know, speaking of the crowd and the potential, it's Chicago, right? Such a peaceful, incredible crowd. I mean, it, it you did feel like you were at some kind of crazy mob scene sometimes just because of the sheer volume of people. But I saw no unruliness whatsoever inside or outside of Wrigley Field. Well, it's because you were on the north side. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going there right now. I mean, I say. I say this is this is a Sox fan's worst nightmare right yeah. now, right? So okay. So you get there now. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask you how much you paid for your ticket. If you if you want to give us a ballpark, you know, because people, I I saw the prices and I thought, oh my gosh, and then you're there. Well, I, it wasn't close to a thousand. It was it was under five hundred. That, that's much. actually pretty good. Not much. <laughs> no, I, I mean that's that's actually really uh, bro, that's less than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're there. Take us through. Like, who are you sitting next to? Because that's part of the fun, too, of going by yourself to a... a well, yeah, you know what? It, it is. And I, I mean, I'm trying to think of... The, there weren't that many people that went by themselves. But I'm like, at the price of tickets, yeah. I, I, I'm going to I'm going anyway. Yeah. I don't care if anybody's going with me. It's been something I've been planning to do for 47 years. Yeah. So, uh, so I was sitting next to a guy named uh, Walt needs from marion <laughs> illinois remembers pete rose long visit to marion illinois do you remember that yeah, I, I, I don't know it's before my time well pete rose was there because of his problems oh, that's right that's right pete, hey, pete had a which was also before my time but yeah pete he went to federal prison he did yeah pete pete had a problem with his income taxes yeah he did and he was there sitting on the a podium across from Murphy's Bleacher Bar after the game. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, Walt, great guy, Walt and Peggy sat right next to me, and it was uh, one of their tickets, and they had sold it to a broker so they could go on into the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess he made about, he about doubled his money, and I about doubled it from there almost. Okay, so, so everybody got out happy. Then you contributed. You contributed. But he's thinking, we were thinking we should have just met each other before the game. We both would have came out. No, you, uh, yeah, you contributed but, to the Illinois commerce. So people in Illinois doing very go. well. There you go. Okay, so, because, uh, you know, then, Wrigley Field, there's a good chance, unlike, again, the south side, but you're on the north side. Might have got sat next to a, a, some pretty girls. You know, there's a lot of pretty girls go to Cubs oh, games. Oh, there were, there were tons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, a young lady was a White Sox fan sitting behind me. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, everybody is just going nuts because, you know, they start off, Fowler gets a double, and then Bryant brings him home. They're, they're getting the Kershaw right away, right? And so this girl's sitting there in her seat while everybody's up and down. I mean, it's like a Catholic church service or something. They were bouncing up and down so much. <laughs> And then uh, by about the fifth inning, she's cheering. Next thing I know, high fives every time they close out an inning. It was great. You just couldn't help but get caught up. I was kidding with somebody the other day because I said the amount, you know, if you've never been to Wrigley Field, part of the charm of Wrigley Field is it's a village. It's literally part of the fun of going to Wrigley Field is 
drinking beer before the game and, you know, hanging out in the in the bar. I mean, because they're upscale establishments now, especially it's not the way it was, you know, when you were growing up, you know, you, you likely, likely get a tire iron between the eyes, you know, <laughs> back during the days of the bleacher preacher. But, you know, now it's very upscale <laughs> establishment, very uh, well-protected area. So I was going to say, the amount of um, children that will be born exactly nine months uh, from oh, this past man. Saturday, probably overwhelming, right? So, yeah, what day would that be? That would be like July 20th. 20- yeah, I was going to say, and, looking at that and the amount of ones that are named, you know, uh, Russell and uh, Rizzo and Bryant and, yeah, it's... Uh, Javi. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> so, okay, so the atmosphere, the whole thing with the Cubs, of course, and we had Bill Sampin, who's former major leaguer, on Tuesday's show, and we talked to him about this, he said... We used to go into Chicago, and he said the players never believed in curses. He said even the you know because he was playing in the days of Sandberg and Andre Dawson and those those sort of guys. But he said the players. I asked him, I said, you guys used to chastise those guys about being cursed? He said, no, they didn't believe it at all. Because he said, when Sandberg's got, as he described it, I think, 95 miles an hour of, of sink coming at him. He's not worried about a goat. He's worried about hitting the ball. <laughs> but uh, I get that. It was there, But the fans are a totally different animal. The fans truly believe oh I, I made some horrible jokes during the game i talked about the 3-0 leads that we blew in the playoffs how many times we'd been eight outs away from going to the series and everybody i, I thought i was gonna get clobbered when it, when i said that i said it very quietly to, <laughs> to your to to my new good friend wall but yeah uh but uh yeah i mean you just after you've been a Cubs fan for so long. I mean, if you're a player, it's you, you might have grown up. You surely grew up knowing the mystique of the Cubs, yeah. but you didn't grow up with all the tradition and everything that you like. I mean, holy cow, that was just such a perfect game, though, in yep. every way. I mean, they faced 27 batters. Yep. Is that right? Yep, the minimum, <laughs> the minimum, and and they took the lead on the second at bat, and they never let Kershaw just couldn't his. Uh, strike to ball ratio I was watching he threw about 75% strikes yep. and yet the Cubs were tattooing the ball when he threw it over the plate now I don't know if you could see this because you were on the first base first baseline right I loved because Kershaw's a left-handed pitcher <clears throat> every time he would come to the set they would show the because they would be over his the camera would be over his shoulder mm-hmm. the fans on the first baseline were unmerciful to him when he was coming to the oh, set oh. they were and I'm I've <laughs> We have a lot. This is a fam, fam, family show, so I'm not condoning bad behavior. But in this case, I am. Okay. Oh wow! I, well, I no, I did not see that. They so. were. I mean, they were standing up. They were flipping him off. They were taking their shirts off. I mean, it was. Um, it was. Uh, it was I, unbelievable. Wow. No, I did not see that. I mean, so every time this guy said, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about what 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 a not tame atmosphere, but how you know yeah orderly everyone was yeah. around me uh, it, it would, so um at some point it becomes clear because they took the lead early and they were kind of scoring a run every couple innings yeah. you know they gradually were extending the lead at some point does it start to kick in uh hey we're getting to uh, let's go here it's for looking good we, we got chapman in the bullpen you're, you're, guys. but you're <laughs> let's not forget and, and a great bullpen ahead of him yeah so at some point you're starting to say to yourself we could actually win this game. Oh, I, I mean, it just it just felt right the whole time. I, I never the the whole atmosphere. I, I I mean, I literally feel like when I heard the word "free" held for a solid minute by that massive tenor voice, that something good is going <laughs> to happen here tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and and sure enough, it did. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I I I felt like. 
that game, you, you know, you never can be too confident. You got Kershaw on the mound. You got a guy who's never been in the uh, playoffs before last year going, going against him. And uh, you've got all the Cubs history. And I, I watched their bats go cold against the Mets last year. Yeah. But, man, everything was just. Okay, so uh, at some point, because you're going along, we're winning, we're doing well. I felt, and I told people before the game, if people said, I was nuts, I said, they're going to win this game. They're going to win, and they're going to win easy. I don't care if it's Kershaw. At some point, though, I think, actually, we come to the eighth inning, and they're up, what, like, I think five to nothing or something at that point. I looked at my dad after they got the first out, and I said, this is when Bartman. This was when Bartman stole it from <laughs> exactly. us. You know, I mean, is there an aura in the in the build in the stadium that we're the Cubs? We're going to find a way to lose this game. Well, you know, I mean, it it, it was very quiet. It, it was it was kind of weird. You know, it was like you know you're expecting all this anticipation to build, 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 but there there was a bit of a hush yeah. on, the, on the crowd. Yeah. You really could could feel that. And the ninth inning with the double play to end it, I mean, it was so quick. It was like, holy cow, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, and that's what I was going to say was the Cubs are because we talked with Sample about this yesterday, and of course he dismissed it. He's coming from a guy who played the game, and and you know they're not thinking of that. But I mean, the Cubs. They've been screwed by black cats. They've been screwed by Gatorade Goats. being dropped on a glove. They've been screwed by their own fans. I mean, a Billy Goat. <laughs> I mean, the Cubs have found... And the curse of the Bambino. Amazing, amazing ways to lose baseball games over the sure. years. So you come to the ninth inning, you've got Chapman on the mound, mm -hmm. and like you're saying, it's everybody's like maybe cautiously optimistic that we're not going to give up five runs in the ninth inning. I would say uh, nobody was saying much of much of anything. Everybody was just constant. Let's go Cubs! You know the the chance of Kershaw, even though he was long out of the game, were still going on. Uh, you know it was a very patient waiting crowd. And what was it? The leadoff hitter or the second batter got got on yeah, base? Yeah, got on base in the ninth. And you're like, uh, I wish that hadn't happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, because <laughs> Chapman's been a little shaky in the postseason. Yeah, he had his moment uh, earlier on, but uh, no, he was rock solid. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Get our guest is Drew Thompson. Uh, he's not only candidate for Congress. He was at he was at Game Six of the NLCS with Cubs clinch, go to the World Series, first time in seventy one years. So we're talking about that experience today. Okay, so if you were to write the perfect script, not that that wasn't amazing and it wasn't great, but the double play took away a little of the anticipation because you're thinking, okay, we got two more outs to go. Right. And then all of a sudden there's a double play. Did it catch you by surprise? Oh, absolutely. It caught me by surprise. It really did. I mean, you know, you think about the walk-off homer in the ninth, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, the minute that, that Rizzo caught the ball, you know, my thought is, wow, hey, I'll take it. I mean, I'm not <laughs> – I, I, the anticlimactic finish to that game – was I mean it was like I can remember when I lived in Chicago, nineteen eighty five, and the Bears had more or less been cursed by the Dallas Cowboys for all through the seventies and early eighties, and all of a sudden they they go to Dallas in November of that year and they beat them forty four to nothing. I mean there's nothing. I mean it felt so good, it felt so right. You almost knew they were going to win the Super Bowl that year. It's that kind of kind of feeling, and I I don't think anybody would have. Uh, I don't think it would have made anybody happier if if they had won it with a walk off home run. It would have been really cool, but dang, I'll take it just the way it was. Okay, so they they get the third out. Uh, I will. I I I. My house. It was. Uh, 
I think the walls shook. <laughs> I was watching with my dad, who went to his first Cubs game in 1969, uh, and still remembers August 8th, 1969, was wow. his, his first game, and that was actually 19 years before they, the they, first night they, game. Uh, I think they swept the Phillies in a doubleheader that day. He still got the scorecards and everything else. And that was when they went, you know, had the huge, huge lead. So I mean, it was. Uh, I wanted the Cubs to win. I'm a huge Cubs fan. We grew up every day. We'd tape the Cubs back on VHS and come home and wait till after the game was over and then watch the game back. Harry and Steve, Dad and I would every day. But <laughs> I wanted them to win so badly, not for myself, but for my dad Aww. and for my grandpa, who, awesome. who used to hitchhike up to up to Wrigley Field back in the 30s. I mean, his aunt lived that? right by Wrigley Field. So I wanted them to win for <laughs> them. I'm curious what your, your emotions were like after – that ball hit the glove. You know what? I, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm still processing it. You know, it's like, uh, has my life changed? I mean, the, the first thing I keep telling myself over and over again, my new motto is for everyone that I meet on the street, the Cubs can do it. So can you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just be persistent. Never, 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 never give up. And, you know, I mean, it's just like I, 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 it's four days and every happy feeling every memory that i can come up with i mean there's so much has come back to me about the cubs the days when i used to walk around the the stadium and pay for my tickets yeah. by, by buying and selling tickets in the in the 80s when i go to the game sitting in the bleachers almost every saturday afternoon when when, when they were at home uh, following the teams in the late 60s, all through the 70s, from the, the era of Ernie Banks and Fergie Jenkins and Ron Santo to the Rick Russells and Rick Mondays, then to Sandberg and, and Greg Maddox and all the Mark Grace, all the guys they had in, in, in over those years. Um, you just, it, it just is a wave that I'm just trying to bask in it yeah. and enjoy it. And I'll tell you how important history is to Cubs fans. I w went with my dad to a game earlier this year. They played the Marlins in August and uh, went up there. And years ago, and you'll remember this, the Cubs had a, a player named Dave Kingman. Oh, sure. And Dave Kingman was an animal, man. Big dude. Big dude. Big dude. Big for now. I mean, even then he was colossal. Calm. And he was he would hit, I think he hit 50 home runs one year. And he would either hit a home run. I think it was 47. Okay. But yeah, who's he, counting? He either hit, would hit a home run or he'd strike out. Yeah, and, that's and, pretty much true. And he hit a home run one time that until Glenn Allen Hill, who years later hit one onto the rooftops, which you'll probably be sitting on uh, uh, Saturday night. Opposite side. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was considered the longest home run in the history of, of the, I, the stadium. I remember that. Yeah. And when we went, the, one of the first things we said, because we had time before the game, is let's go find the Kingman house. And the house <laughs> is still there where it's he hit the there. home run to. And yeah. that's just how important events and time and everything else are for Cubs fans. And I think it's just a different different environment than, than anywhere else. So, um, I'm so I'm so glad you got to do that. Oh, I, 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 I am too. And it's, it's an experience that, you know. You should you you should have been there for it. I wish yeah. every Cubs fan could have been there. That's that's one thing I was thinking. Forty two thousand people are going to make it into this yeah. game. What about the millions and yeah. millions of Cubs fans? It's, that, it's that fascinating too, Drew. Because lived and died. I would have thought tickets were more than that. If I had I known, I might actually consider going up there. And you doing know, it. I think that uh, I think part of it is that uh, the. Uh, everybody was in anticipation for the world series yeah. nobody went you know i went up 
I paid 180 for rooftop seats for the Mets series last year. And of course, they yeah. creamed. Yeah. So, you know, who's going to spend all their money on a yeah. NLCS series? We've been there. We've done that. Yep. Let's get to the World Series. Now the prices are very inflated. It's insane. I, I think, I don't know if there are any standing room only tickets available. Somebody reported this yesterday, and I'm, I have no reason to doubt that it's true. Uh, a set of four tickets, I think there were five rows up from home plate. Oh my gosh. Sold for $64,000. For for all four tickets? For all four tickets. So that's sixteen grand a piece. That's a bargain, I think. <laughs> no, yeah, really. Like, no, I'm, I'm not paying it because I don't have it. But <laughs> for, for whoever whoever got that, they that's probably a No, what's ticket. really interesting, though, and I want to get to the congressional campaign here, but uh, uh, the Cleveland tickets, tickets to the Cleveland Stadium, are. Much less. I know they it, are. I thought, uh, I thought I about going up there, roll up there, and go that way. But yeah. uh, uh, anyway, I'm so glad you got to do it, and because uh, you're such a good friend, I'm so glad that you got to uh, have that experience, and you're able to come here and share it with us. It's so awesome. It is awesome. All yeah. right, so let's get to the congressional campaign. Of course, you are running uh, in Indiana, seventh congressional district, which is Marion County. You're running against uh, Andre Carson. How is the campaign going? It's going well. It's going very well. Um, you know, any any you, guy that would take off from his campaign to go to Cubs game makes me want to vote for him. You don't live in my district, <laughs> I, but I, I I I hope there are more who feel the same way. <laughs> Thank you. So it's something. Well, so here's the thing that I say about the Cubs. So you know, 1945, 71 years. Yep. Libertarian Party, 1971, 45 years. So, uh, you know, there's some symmetry there that, that really fits. If the Cubs can win, why not a Libertarian? Yeah, right? there you go. So, so how is the campaign going? Well, it, you know, it, you, you understand the challenges running against a five-time elected incumbent who's a legacy in, in this city. Um, yeah, you're running against a guy that can sneeze $100 bills at you, right? <laughs> easily. I mean, I think he's got – he's easily got over a million dollars. Yeah. Going, going into the last two weeks of the campaign – and so, that's without so run, trying. He could probably raise a million in a week if he had to. You know, the lesson that I've learned is it's, you know, you got great people in the media in this in this city. Uh, but big media, print media controls so much yeah. of where things go. Actually, uh, going to vote today at the city city county building, Keston, and uh, WRTV is supposed to be there. We're hoping we'll get some other ca- Good. Yeah, well, I've always said this. Everybody should run for a public office, no matter what it is, whether it's a local office or Congress like you're doing, at least once to see uh, we have a we have major problems in our political system in this oh, country. And I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about the political system to to run for public office. I mean, you are against... <laughs> a dynamo of outside money. I mean, big, big money, a lot of it coming from people that don't live in your district. Yeah, very true. Um, you know, I think Indiana, to be a libertarian, it's a very good place to be. We've had ballot access for 22 years now, and, and that helps a lot. When it comes to the actual general election, though, I mean, it's, I mean the reality is the Republicans don't have much more to throw up at the Democratic incumbent than than what we do. Yeah. I mean, they, they've has always had more votes than we have when, when the day they counted them. That's a big thing, party organization. You know, I think one of the things for me is that uh, you know, two things, that I'll do anything I can to help other libertarian and liberty-minded candidates, whether independent, Republican, libertarian, or whatever, in the future – organization in terms of being able to get the word out to media to get groups where you can get endorsements that matter big large uh, groups and and overall organization but that has to come 
in large part from the party. Yeah. If you've got a system with precinct committee captains, you've got a lot going for you, uh, just in terms of the number of votes that you can count when the election. Well, and let's face up. it, if you're independently wealthy, as we've seen down in southern Indiana, you take a guy like Trey Hollingsworth, and you know he's he's a Republican nominee, but he was able to sort of buy his way through the primary, even though nobody really knew who he was because he had a bajillion dollars and he could throw his name out there everywhere. You you suffer from that because, let's face it, you're probably, I'm going to guess, struggling to find out of people that want to be poll workers on election day to hand out your stuff and things of that nature, much less go door to door, much less do mailers. I mean, all these things are things that Andre Carson, and it's nothing against Andre Carson. It's, it's not his, well, his party. I mean, Mike, Mike yeah. Pence has it too. Exactly. It's, a- it's not anything against Andre Carson, but he doesn't even think about Will I have enough poll workers? Will I have people to go knock on doors for me? Will I have people to put signs in yards? I mean, these are all things that you sit down when you decide you're going to run and throughout the election go, can I get five people that want to go out and knock on doors for me for a couple of days? Exactly. And I mean, you know, and it's not, and, and, the, and then having the consistency and reliability of, of volunteers, they, 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 <laughs> they come and they come and go and they're, and they're not around uh, for, for an entire campaign. I don't think, you know, in, in a district like mine, it's it's relatively compact, and so even though it's still a congressional district, there's a lot of bodies in there. You can organize a traditional local campaign. You have to be super uh, skilled and and prepared and have some experience at it. But but you know if you're talking about the ninth district, how do you run against money in in a place like that where you cover so much geography? The district winds around like a serpentine. <laughs> creature of some sort so you know i i guess there are some advantages to being right here in an urban environment and it's given me the opportunity to meet a lot of people i never would have met before to interact with people and groups and circles that i wouldn't have gone to it, and I, I it, it's interesting um because the libertarian party in indiana this year has done a great job i mean they really have you. You got got great candidates up mm-hmm. and down the ballot you filled the ballot which is very important and you guys have put some some shoe leather out there and um, have have really given people a third option. Now, whether people are going to take that or not, I don't know. But it, it really has, from the top down, been a very well-run operation. I thought Lucy Brenton did a great job in the debates the other night. I thought, I think, Rex Bell's running, running an outstanding campaign as very well. Good. And uh, I think this is really going to be a change agent for the Libertarian Party. Even if you guys don't get any victories, you're really going to set the framework, especially if Gary Johnson can get that 5% nationally and get that federal money. I, I, I You know, I, I talk to people from the other parties and uh, in some of the more local races, state rep and so forth, you get a lot of people that do more canvassing because they can cover their entire district yeah they can pay somebody 10 bucks an hour to go out there and take care of things for them and and what they tell me from both sides is that we're polling a lot higher than the national polls tell us to to expect so uh, i gary's gonna get his five percent i feel really confident about that um and and significantly more um, I'd like to see us have the organization that can ensure we get people to the polls and, and punch an L here and there, you know, because um, people are starting to know about us. They're looking for alternatives. Younger people love us. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to start mobilizing these folks 
in, in a different way and, and reaching out to people and say, look, you know, social media does not win election campaigns. You can't vote on social media. You still have to go to the polls. And the distance between a little post on Facebook, and I don't care how profound it is or how many people like it, the difference between social media and what happens in the outcome of the polls is, is just a, a gigantic chasm that libertarians don't understand. And that's lesson number one for me in this campaign. Well, and it's interesting i've said this uh i always try to vote in the major election cycles for one libertarian just as a protest vote against the two-party system that i think is rotten and awful um and i say that as a registered republican um but this year i've got two libertarians that i'm not only probably going to vote for but i'm pretty proud that i'm I'm going to vote for them. So well, that's, I, I that's good. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah, I, I, I wish it was three or four, it's, but it's not Johnson though. I, I like Johnson. He was very nice to me. I like Johnson. I'm still staying with Trump, but other than that down the ballot, I mean, you got some great, great candidates who have done a nice job. They've been good reflections of a changing libertarian party. And I think this is going to be the outcome of this year's election is this is the year the libertarian party in Indiana really stepped up and became, if not winners, a players that have opened the eyes of a lot of people. Well, you know, I mean, if you look at what we can do, and on, on, uh, uh, the, 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 traditionally we've pulled from Republicans. It's true. But this year, you know, with Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, with Evan Bayes recently emerging major problems, uh, we've got some opportunities to pull from the D side that I don't think that we've ever done before. And that's exciting to me. You know, that'll pop up our numbers a percent here, three or four percent other places. And, uh, you know, it, it, it hopefully it, it gives us not just hope, but it gives us some direction. We need to keep building our leadership. We've got a lot to do after the election. We need to continue. We need to shadow the people that are elected if we aren't and keep fighting and for every vote we can until the election comes and goes. Drew, thanks for uh Thanks for being a great guy, first of all. But uh, thank you for thank you for coming. I don't in. hear that often. <laughs> no, <laughs> but we, thank we're, you. We're friends, and and uh, and. Uh, but thank you for sharing your memories of Wrigley Field because that oh. is that th th that was such a cool thing. And I thought, man, it'd be so cool to be there. And then saw that you were there and several other friends. And it's really cool to be able to live for a few moments vicariously through you. So th thanks for doing that. Um, it's my pleasure, Rob. Wish you could have been there too. And your dad. That's uh, but uh, I know just experiencing the whole thing is, is, is a great thing for you guys. Like every Cubs fan. Mm -hmm. That was Drew Thompson, candidate for Congress in Indiana's 7th Congressional District, sharing his memories of being at Wrigley Field on Game 6 of the NLCS, the night the Cubs clinched to go to the World Series. And uh, don't forget, if you missed any part of the conversation today, we are uh, now on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can check out a podcast there anytime you want or by logging onto our website at wyrz.org, podcast presented by McDonald's. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall saying have yourself a great evening. You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street 
next to Ben Davis High School, for great specials, including the two for two fifty and two for five dollars. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. This is Luke Stevenson for the Central Indiana Innovation Hub. Central Indiana Innovation Hub provides space for individuals to meet and network for business-related needs. Central Indiana Innovation Hub is located at 5250 East U.S. Highway 36, Suite 1101 in Avon. More information can be found at indianahub.com. Our phone number is 317-696-3050. Office hours are Monday through Friday, 830 to 4. Tours of the facility are available. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.